Well, we appreciate your attendance here this morning. I know it's that time of year where we've uh, got some people out sick. I know we have some traveling, but we've also got some visitors here with us today. And uh, whether you're a member or a visitor, we're so thankful that you're here this morning. And I hope the time we spend here together will be uh, beneficial for all of us. We're going to be looking at the 23rd Psalm together this morning. Now, this is one of the most familiar passages in all of Scripture. It's one of the most well-loved passages in all of Scripture. It's one that we often read in times of stress and sorrow. Uh, In fact, it's always been my practice, unless someone requests something else, to uh, read this at the graveside when I'm conducting a funeral service. And that's because it can be a tremendous source of encouragement and comfort to us in those situations. But I'd like for us this morning to try to see this psalm in a somewhat different light. As hard as it is to believe, we are just over a week out from Thanksgiving. Daniel and I were talking about that before services started and you know, getting these baskets together for the, the holiday season, it's hard to believe that this is almost upon us. But in keeping with the idea we looked at last week of seeing the Psalms of Thanksgiving as a, a basis for our, our gratitude and helping to direct our thoughts, even though the 23rd Psalm is not technically speaking one of those Thanksgiving Psalms, I'd like for us to look at this together this morning and see in it a basis for being thankful to God. Now, Parker read this for us just a few moments ago, and it's familiar to all of us, so I'm not going to read straight through it again. But it begins with those familiar words we all know. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, think about this in the context of gratitude. When someone says, I shall not want, or I lack nothing, as the NIV puts it, that should cause us to take immediate notice. This is an age of discontent. To say, I shall not want, or I lack nothing, that is an unusual statement. You don't often hear people making claims like that. I'm not sure if I've ever shared this with you or or not, but I've always found the words uh, from this poem by Jason Lehman profound on this point. It was spring, but it was summer I wanted, the warm days and the great outdoors. It was summer, but it was fall I wanted, the colorful leaves and the cool, dry air. It was fall, but it was winter I wanted, the beautiful snow and the joy of the holiday season. It was winter, but it was spring I wanted, the warmth and the blossoming of nature. I was a child, but it was adulthood I wanted, the freedom and the respect. I was 20. But it was 30 I wanted to be mature and sophisticated. I was middle-aged, but it was 20 I wanted. The youth 
and the free spirit. I was retired, but it was middle age I wanted. The presence of mind without limitations. Then my life was over, but I never got what I wanted. And there's some humorous parts in that. I heard some chuckles. But if you think about that in its totality, that's a really sad way to go through life. So many people never seem to be satisfied with what they have. Almost everybody wants more. And that applies whatever stage we're at in life. A little child wants more toys, more television time. As teenagers, we want more freedom and more respect. We want to be treated like we're grown. Most adults want more possessions, more leisure time. And as we age, we want more health, more friends, maybe more of that time back with our children. Whatever it may be, we're all so discontented. We remember the words of the Apostle Paul, more familiar words from Scripture. Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, he says, Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstances, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. God wants us to be satisfied. Sometimes we have a tendency to think of this world as an entirely negative place, and it's only something that we want to get out of here, we want to leave behind. But we need to see this world, God's creation, is, is good. Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. So we should appreciate and enjoy all of the good gifts God's given us in this life. But we shouldn't be restless. We shouldn't be jealous and envious. We shouldn't always be chafing about what we don't have. There should be a spirit of thankfulness that characterizes us, that, that marks us, that people know we belong to him. So with all that in mind and with the, the words of the 23rd Psalm, those familiar words sort of rattling around in our head this morning, I want us to walk our way through it and see how it teaches us some reasons to be thankful. And the first reason we can be thankful is that the Good Shepherd provides for us. He gives us all that we need. In Scripture, human beings are frequently compared to sheep. And when we think about sheep, we probably think of, you know, these cute and cuddly, woolly animals. And I imagine if one happened across our backyard that Abby would try to get us to take it in, which we would not do. But we think of sheep as a positive thing. Being compared to sheep is not good. This is not a compliment. Sheep are among the dumbest and the dirtiest and the most defenseless animals in existence. So when Isaiah says, we're all like sheep, we've gone astray in Isaiah chapter 53, that means we're just about on that level of those dumb old sheep who've wandered off and now we can't find our way back. 
When it, Jesus says, it says that he looked out with compassion on the people and he saw them that they were like sheep without a shepherd. That's a concern because when sheep are all alone, when they don't have a shepherd, they're helpless. They're defenseless. Now, I've obviously never raised sheep, but everything I've ever read has indicated that sheep need more care, more attention than any other type of livestock because they just cannot take care of themselves. Unless a shepherd forces them to move along, they will actually ruin a pasture. They will literally eat every single blade of grass where before there was a, a fertile field, now it's just completely barren. Sheep are nearsighted and they're extremely stubborn, but because of that nearsightedness, they're easily frightened. Uh, something as small as a, a jackrabbit happening upon them can cause the, the whole flock to stampede. And part of the reason for that is because they're essentially defenseless. I mean, you know what a sheep looks like. It's not like they have any sharp claws or razor-sharp fangs or anything to be able to fight off a predator. They're timid, feeble creatures, and that's because if some predator happens upon them, all they can do is, is run. That's the only recourse that they have. Sheep have no homing instincts. It doesn't always work out, but if your dog or your cat gets out, or, or even a, a horse or a bird for that matter, uh, more often than not, they can find their way back home. Not a sheep. When they're gone, they're gone. They don't know where they are. That's why we have these images in Scripture of the lost sheep and the shepherd has to go out and find it and bring it back because it doesn't know where it came from. So I want us to keep all of that in mind. This is foreign to us, but this is the, the controlling metaphor of this psalm, this one big overriding principle or theme. Sheep can't make it without a shepherd. So when David says, I shall not want, the only reason he can say, I shall not want, is because he could first say, the Lord is my shepherd. So let's look and, and consider what he says the good shepherd does for his sheep. Verse number two tells us, he makes me lie down in green pastures. The good shepherd leads his sheep to a lush pasture where they have plenty to eat and pretty soon their stomachs are full and they're completely satisfied. And the picture here is of a sheep who has so much this abundance that they couldn't possibly want or need anything more. Because he's so content, he just lies down here in the green pastures. Well, the Lord has provided plenty for us too, hasn't he? There are few of us here in this congregation who ever have to worry about going hungry. In fact, between the Halloween candy and Thanksgiving coming up and then Christmas and then all the goodies and treats people give us in between come January 1st the bigger concern is dieting than it is having to worry about having enough and even though there are definitely hungry people in our community uh, thankfully uh, for instance this congregation has made an effort to try to feed those people there's the good shepherd uh, providing working through us there so we don't lack for that. 
But notice the wording here. It says, he makes me lie down. Sometimes sheep have to be forced to lie down. Certain uh, prerequisites or conditions have to be met. They have to be full because a hungry sheep is just going to go on and continue to look for food. They have to feel completely safe and secure because they're defenseless. If there's even a, a hint of a predator, they'll stay standing up so they can be ready to bolt if that danger approaches. There has to be no element of discomfort whatsoever, no insects harassing them, no even hint of discontent there in the flock. Sometimes they have to be forced to lie down. Well, in a similar way, God forces us to lie down, metaphorically speaking, once in a while, doesn't he? We're so busy, focused on the things of this world, focused on our physical needs, or focused on those uh, distractions or discomfort we're hustling about, rushing here and there, and sometimes God has to, to force us to say we need to, to lie down to focus on those things that are most important. That may not be something that's pleasant for us. It could be an, an illness. It could be a, a personal or a professional setback. It could be some sort of heartbreak that we experience. But it forces us to stop, to take a step back, and to take stock of our priorities and to try to realize what really is most important. David then says the second half of verse number two, he leads me beside still waters. Sheep are frightened of swiftly moving water. And if you think about it, you would be too if you were wearing a big heavy wool coat on your back and trying to swim. They're not very good swimmers. They get bogged down. So when the good shepherd comes to a swiftly moving stream, he doesn't try to, to force them to drink out of that. He'll build a little dam and he'll make a little quiet pool there that they can drink out of comfortably. God knows our weaknesses. He leads us beside those quiet, those still waters. Actually, at the men's breakfast yesterday morning, Robert, Ward, and Kelly and I were, were talking about this, that sometimes we can just feel overwhelmed. It seems like God is, is giving us too much. We don't know if we can handle it, and maybe sometimes that's a test for us. Maybe that's a compliment to us like it was to Job. He thinks we can handle it, or, or maybe we just don't ever know the reason. But what we have to keep in mind is that God has promised to protect us from temptation that we cannot handle. He's promised that he'll never force us into situations that we can't cope with. He'll never abandon us to be all alone in the midst of that. That's what Paul's telling us in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, right? God's faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he'll make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. It's similar to what David says in another psalm, the 32nd Psalm, verses 6 and 7. Surely in the rush of great waters they shall not reach him. You were a hiding place for me. You preserved me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. God is with us there, leading us beside those still waters when everything seems rushing around us. Back to the 23rd Psalm, 
David goes on to say in verse number three, he restores my soul. We've already mentioned that a lost sheep is lost. If the shepherd doesn't go and try to restore it and bring it back, it's gone forever. It calls to mind the words of Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. He himself, he's talking about Jesus, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you've been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. God, through Christ, actively sought us when we were lost. He went out and he found us. And in the cross, Jesus died to take our place, take those sins upon him, and restore our souls. David continues there in verse number three. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. A careless shepherd might lead the sheep over difficult terrain, steep, rocky paths where they could stumble, fall, hurt themselves. But the good shepherd is going to make sure that the path is clear and that the sheep are led over ground that's not troublesome for them. Scripture teaches repeatedly that in life there are two paths that we can take. One leads to destruction. That's the way Satan wants to take us. But it's a broad way and it looks smooth and inviting and that sure seems like the logical way we need to go. The other one is narrow and sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes there are obstacles along the way. But we have the promise that the good shepherd walks in front of us preparing that way that he leads us in the way we need to go along that path if we'll only follow him. He leads us in those paths of righteousness. So here's a tremendous basis for being thankful. All of these things we've listed off, these blessings, physical and spiritual, God provides for us everything we really need. Maybe not everything we want, but everything that we really need. The second great blessing or great basis for gratitude that we find in this psalm is that the good shepherd protects us. In particular, in the face of death, he protects us from evil. Verse number four even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. The fear of death can really disturb us. And in fact, we talked about appreciating God's good creation, but if you remember back to the beginning, death was not part of God's good creation. That entered the world along with sin. And death is portrayed as, as Satan's weapon, as a great enemy of God and his people. In fact, it's the last enemy that's going to be destroyed, Paul says. And yet David says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. When death roars its worst at us, we don't need to be afraid because we have the promise that the Lord is with us. Whether we just skirt the edge of that valley or whether we actually walk through it, he promises, I'll be there with you all the way. 
In fact, David goes on to say here, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now think about that. That is not only a a promise of peace and protection with the rod and the staff, peace and protection while we're alive. The second part of this, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, that's a promise that at the moment Satan is doing his worst to you, wielding that greatest weapon against you in death. At that very same time, God is preparing a welcome feast for you with him. I can't think of anything that's more joyful, more hope-filled, more triumphant in that. So when you pause to be thankful, think about this, that in the face of death, the good shepherd promises that he'll protect us from evil. Finally, the third basis for thanksgiving that we have. The good shepherd promises that he'll save us. He promises us eternal life. Verses five and six, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When we stand before God on judgment day, his love His mercy, his goodness will be there. If God gave us what we deserve, death would be the final verdict. We deserve to be punished for our disobedience. But because of Jesus, because he is a good shepherd, we can have confidence in his mercy. What great blessings we have from the good shepherd he promises to provide for us all that we need he promises to protect us even from the great enemy of death and he promises in the end that one day if we're faithful we'll dwell in the house of the lord forever i want to encourage all of us to think on those things this thanksgiving and to try to carry them with us each and every day. But I don't want to close our message this morning without making sure that we're ready to receive those great blessings of eternal life. If you've never turned to God, if you've never put your faith in the Lord Jesus, you've never become part of that flock, as it were, and you don't have all those great blessings that the shepherd wants to give you and so I encourage you this morning to place your faith in Jesus Christ and to turn to God in repentance have your sins washed away in the waters of baptism be added to that people or or to that flock let the good shepherd provide for you and protect you maybe you're here this morning and you already are a Christian but you've wandered away you're lost he's searching for you He wants you to come home. Whatever your need may be, if you're subject to the Lord's invitation, we encourage you to come now while we stand and while we sing.